0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: There is a strong connection between humility and spirituality. What does that mean? The more humble you are, the more you will grow spiritually, and the better prepared you will be to serve God. In other words, Humility causes us to be used by God and to become a faithful servant. But realize this, the converse of that statement is also true. And that means that pride will hinder us spiritually. Pride will cause us not to see things properly. We will be deceived by the enemy and we will not be used by God. And we're going to see that the disciples, they have not been thinking properly. And one of the problems with their thinking is rooted in pride. We all struggle with that. Let's grow spiritually by being humble men and women. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 9. The book of Luke and chapter 9 we're going to begin in verse 46 and what's happening here is an argument the disciples are having a disagreement and what's going to happen well look with me to that 46th verse of luke chapter 9 where it says but he entered into and that's literally what it says it is a word for arriving at a place place and coming into so we read here but he entered into an argument among them and what was the nature of this argument keep reading in verse 46 where it says who from among them would be the greatest so they all knew that they were disciples and they were arguing among themselves who would be the greatest disciple. Now, we need to remember that Yeshua had spoken about going up to Jerusalem. And now we're going to see that he is on that way to Jerusalem. And he's going there to die. We can say it another way, to offer up his life, to sacrifice himself in order that he should become your and my passover lamb what does that mean that he should become our redeemer and it's in the context of his departure that they are thinking about who will be the greatest one meaning his replacement and notice what it says verse 47 but yeshua in contrast to that argument not participating in sharing who would be the greatest but in opposition to such thus i thought it says yeshua and it's word for seeing or perceiving it is a word of comprehension he knows all things and why does he know all things because he is god and therefore we read but yeshua perceiving the discussion or the argument of their heart. Taking a child, so because of the way they were thinking and the nature of that argument, Yeshua took a child, and he stood it, meaning stood this child, before himself, and he said to them. So he's going to use a child as a type of visual aid in order to convey to them the truth. Now, again, I'd like to pause for a moment and say this. Yeshua always wants to give us truth. And one of the things that we should be praying for is this. We should pray frequently. God, help me to receive your truth, perceive your truth, and also apply your truth to my life. Because without truth, it is impossible to behave faithfully and what does the Scripture say without faith it is impossible to please God so I need to apply the truth of Scripture to my life in order that I can be pleasing to him because as a new creation in Messiah my desire my new nature I have been born again in order to desire to please him and that means I agree with his will. Look now to verse 48. Yeshua says, Whoever receives this child in my name, me, he receives. Now, what he's talking about here is humility, receiving, welcoming. And the implication is not just uh Having the child come into one's house but the implication of receiving him means to to teach him to train him to to get involved in his life now many times we we want to get involved in important people's lives we might like to give them counsel to be part of what they're doing be associated with them but a child and this word for child here means a rather young child. And therefore, when Yeshua says, whoever welcomes, whoever's willing to invest and train and love this small child, he says, me, and the emphasis is just on that word, me, referring to Yeshua. Me, he receives. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. And that is God the Father. So we see a very important principle. And that principle is this. In order to receive God the Father, to have a relationship with Him, for Him to be your Heavenly Father, that father-child relationship between God and humanity is only possible if previously you receive Yeshua. That is, If you receive christ into your life so it's not the other way around there are those who teach that if you believe in god specifically the god of israel because god the father and god the son are one if you receive the god of israel by default you're also receiving yeshua that is false that is not the case first you have to receive yeshua jesus In order to receive the father if you have not received the son you have no relationship with the father and it doesn't matter who you have who you are or what covenant you were part of in order to have a covenantal relationship with God today and I'm speaking about a covenant which saves a covenant gives a relationship with God you must have received the new covenant, through the gospel. If you reject the gospel, you reject Yeshua, you have no relationship with with the God of Israel. This is what he's teaching. Once more, whoever receives this child in my name, me, he receives. And whoever me receives, he also receives the one who sent me. For the least among you, that is the smallest one, the least among you will be the greatest. So he's speaking here about being the least, and in this context he's talking about being humble, being willing to invest in the life of a small child. We see biblically that those who teach and train and invest in small children. This is a very important role for an individual. The world may not see it that way or agree with that statement, but God does. And the Bible reveals it's God who is my judge. Therefore, we are required to agree with this. So I want to just salute and praise those who who invest their time and effort and themselves in training up small children we know that that this is really a torah characteristic and the reason why i say that is this in the passage of scripture known as the shema which is that passage from deuteronomy 6 beginning with verse 4 that says "Hear, O israel the lord your god the lord is one well it says you shall love god with all your heart soul mind and strength and then it also says these things which i command you today shall be upon your heart and then we read levanecha, which means and you shall teach them diligently to your children so we're speaking about the love of god which the torah expresses the law of god and the first thing it commands us to do if we truly love god is that we are going to teach children Certainly, the most applicable understanding of that is our own children. But also, we can apply that and extend it beyond to other children as well. He says here in this passage of Scripture about receiving Him and being least is the one who is going to become great. Verse 49. But, but John answered he said master we saw a certain one in your name casting out demons well that's a good thing to do and we forbid him because he did not follow with us now was that the right thing he's casting out demons doing it in the name of Yeshua but because he was not in that that 12 among the 12 they forbid him but notice what Yeshua said and he said them, that is, Yeshua said to them, Do not forbid, for the one who is not against us, this one is for us. Now we learn a principle there's only one of two places a person can be. You are either going to be for Messiah or you're against him. That's what he's teaching us. A very important truth. You're either for or against. There's no middle ground. There's no middle space. You are either for him or against him. So I ask you, are you seen by him as being someone who is for him? And you're for him if you've received his truth and you're applying that truth to your life? and you're living as he has commanded you to live that's what faith is faith produces an outcome a god-pleasing outcome look now to verse verse 51 and it came about when the days were fulfilled of his ascension now what it's talking about here and the context is so important because the disciples are talking about who's going to be the great one. Who's going to be his replacement? And it's in the context of the days being fulfilled for him to go up to Jerusalem. And this going up to Jerusalem is for the purpose of observing Passover. Him being that Passover lamb, meaning him being the one crucified so look carefully again at verse 51 but it came about when the days were fulfilled of his ascension and he set firmly his faith to go to jerusalem and he's going to jerusalem for passover and he's going to lay down his life freely as that passover lamb and what happens look now to verse 52. And he sent messengers before his face. And after going, or simply, they went and entered into a village of Samaria. Now, this is important because the Samaritans had not remained faithful to the instructions of God. And I can say that differently. They were not embracing the commandments of God they decided to see things differently they decided to interpret the word of god based upon their own desires their own perspective what seemed right in their eyes and we're going to see something they were not willing to receive him because he was heading to jerusalem they had no commitment and saw no significance in jerusalem And what pains me is that I know individuals who claim that they love Messiah, that they believe this book. But then they'll say there's no longer any significance for the land of Israel or for the city of Jerusalem. They think that's all in the past. And we'll speak about the millennial kingdom when Messiah will rule from Jerusalem in the future for those thousand years. And they reject that. And they just want to talk about a kingdom but they do not make the distinction between the millennial kingdom and the new jerusalem they just talk about the kingdom in a general sense and when you don't understand the purpose for and the reality of the millennial kingdom why that will be when you reject that you have an incorrect understanding of the purposes and the plans of god for now for the future and in when when he's going to bring about his kingdom you won't understand the timing of these events and you will be easily deceived so we have to have a right perspective messiah he sent messengers to samarita samaria into a particular village. And notice what it says, so that to prepare for him, verse 53, and they did not receive him because his face was was going towards Jerusalem. They had no commitment to Jerusalem. They weren't interested in the temple. All All that they thought was of the past. They didn't understand the prophetic truth. And let me just simply share with you that prophecy is so important. Prophecy gives us a perspective for understanding what God's going to do in the future. Why? So that we can participate, that we can position ourselves in light of what God's going to do. And a great problem of the church is that we are prophetically illiterate. We don't study the prophecies and therefore we won't be prepared. And that's why the scripture says when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? And if you do a good study of that, that word that puts it into the question means that he won't find much faith on the earth because we need to have a prophetic perspective. Look now to verse 53. It says here, And they did not receive him what does that mean based upon what we learn they're not receiving god who sent him they did not receive him because his face was heading towards jerusalem verse 54 but his disciples and speaking about yaakov and john seeing this they said lord Do you command, can we command, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to destroy them? And then if you have a a Bible that's based upon the Texas Receptus, that Greek manuscript, it will also have as Elijah did. Now, Elijah, and let me give you the scripture reference. 2 Kings chapter 1. You look at that around verses 10 and 11 and 12, and you'll find that there are those who are doubting whether Elijah was a man of God or not. And he called fire down from heaven to consume their faithlessness. And that's what both Yaakov and James was referring to these people are faithless they don't receive the one that god the father has sent and therefore they said do you want that we should command that fire come down from heaven and destroy them as elijah that's Eliyahu hanavi elijah the prophet did verse 55 but he turned and rebuked them and said do you do not know what manner of spirit are you? Now the spirit brings order and he's saying you're not in line with the order of God. You're not seeing things perspective in the right perspective. Why is that? Well, he's going to tell us. For the son of man look now at verse 56. For the son of man did not come to destroy the life, and it's the word for soul, meaning the very essence of an individual. Messiah did not come into this world. The Son of Man was not sent into this world in order to destroy the life of men. But for what purpose? He says, but for saving. Now, this is important because this word salvation has to do, it's tied to that which is healthy that which is proper that which is correct so the word salvation doesn't mean you're forgiven from sins yes that's part of it salvation doesn't just mean that when you die you're going to go into the kingdom of heaven you will do so that's true but salvation is a much more significant word that term salvation is related to a restoration to the order of God so that the will of God can be experienced. And that's what God wants to do for you and for me. That's why his son went to the cross. And that's why here within this passage, his face was set to Jerusalem. He was going there to die, to sacrifice his life for you. So let me ask you a question. What has his sacrifice brought about in your life? Has his sacrifice given you new life, a kingdom perspective? Are you different? Are you new? Do you have a regenerated life that causes you to be committed to and participating in the things of God? Let me make you a promise, and that's this you will never know joy. You will never have a life that is truly gratifying, one that is satisfying, until you submit to God's purposes for your life. And that revelation just doesn't come about because you believe. Belief gives us the potential. Let me say that differently. Belief gives us the possibility to discover God's will for our life. But there's a great number of believers that they have been saved for years, and they will be in the kingdom of heaven. I have no doubt of that. But they do not understand God's will for their life. Why? Because they are not in this word. And even if they are, the problem is, all too often we fail to apply the words of the Bible to our life. And it's only when we are living in obedience, that obedience will bring about a greater revelation, specifically a revelation for your life. In other words, and this is the principle, until I obey the general revelation of God's word, what he says for everyone to do, until I do that, God is not going to reveal to me what he wants me personally to to do so spirituality begins with humility humility causes us to agree with God and agreement with God will bring God's order into our life so we do the things that God wants his people to do and it's only in the midst of obedience that obedience produces another type of revelation and we can call that personal revelation The Holy Spirit will then begin to guide and direct you in order that you discover. He reveals it to you. You will understand God's purpose for your life. And when you are in that purpose, doing those things, that is the source of joy, a contentment, as the scripture says, a peace that passes all understanding. So the question that we really have to ask ourselves and be brave enough to answer is this. When am I going to truly surrender to the truth of this book? It's when you do that that you're going to be amazed the change that comes into your life. You are going to see things very, very differently. And what you thought in the past won't be how you think In the future you are going to have what the scripture calls the mind of messiah he is going to bring about that that renewal of the mind and it's not the renewing of your mind read carefully romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. what it says is that you will be renewed by the renewed mind meaning this you are going to have your mind removed and the mind of christ in place in place in your life so you see things from his perspective you think according to his way of thinking and that brings about such a radical change and that change is going to produce fruit in your life it is going to be those fruits that causes you to be pleasing to God and be blessed by him. Understand there's a relationship between living in a way that's pleasing to God and receiving his blessings, his provision, so that you can serve him in a greater way. And that should be your desire and mine, that we want to be used more and more to the fullest potential that we have in Messiah. God is able to bring about this change. God is desiring to bring about this change. The question is, when are you going to act in faith? When are you going to grow committed to the truth of this book? It's only when we surrender to the authority of Scripture that things are really going to be different in one's life. And my hope and the purpose for everything that we do is that we want to be a godly influence meaning this we want the will of god to influence you and to change you so that you are found faithfully and that you are well pleasing to god that is our purpose and may god bring it about and to all of this we say amen
0: well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others